I thought we'd actually turn to our hymn book, number one in the hymn book, and we're going to, we're going to say together the first half of this, of, this, of this hymn. So, blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked, or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in its season, and whose leaf does not wither, whatever they do prospers. And I can leave it up there for the while I'm talking, actually, Emily, that'd be fantastic. Do you know, this is such a, a big subject. Um, when, when I first got the subject about Christmas time, I thought, the Word of God, it's, it's, it's in the Sanctify series. How do I deal with this? See, there's a thousand verses we could have come to. Uh, and, and I was being, thinking about it and looking at it. And about two weeks ago, I, I do what I often do, is go for a run. And I was out there and I said to God, right, right God, come on, I've got all these ideas. Give me an eye, just show me the direction you want me to go. And, and God doesn't speak to me audibly, but that sort of inner voice said, look at my, look, there's a tree there. Talk about my tree. <laughs> and and that's, it was as clear as, as daylight and I thought, wow. And I couldn't be, be, ignore it. So this text came from it. And I thought, is that the text God wants? And then Rebecca came to me this week and said, um, when she's typing up for me, she said, oh, do you know that's been a text I've been looking at for uh, your MC group? Mm -hmm. And she also got it from another source as well. So it's great when you get confirmation, isn't it, that what you're going to talk about is from God. Uh, so we're going to talk about a tree. Now, the tree in question was a mighty oak. I was on the, the path around Dartington. Uh, magnificent in its winter nakedness. Uh, I mean, it's had no leaves on it. <laughs> John. Um, every one of its thousands of twigs and branches were in clear relief against the sky. It was solid, though. It was a permanent structure. But, you know, I reflected, uh, as God said, talking about my tree, that it didn't start its life as a mighty tree. No, it started its life from a tiny little acorn growing in stature rapidly each year. Till when they get to about 120 years, their growth rate slows down, but that's not by the by. But you know, before we do anything else, let's just think about that as a picture of our lives as a Christian. It's a great picture of our life in Jesus Christ. We, we like the acorn, receive new life when we first decide to follow Jesus, to yield our lives to him. This is something which is called regeneration. Uh, Wayne Grudem, who's a theologian, describes it as the secret act of God in which he imparts new spiritual life to us. The secret act of God in which he imparts new spiritual life to, to, to us. We also call this being born again. It's a, it's a bit of our jargon. But John 3 uh, says in verse 3, Jesus declared, I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. So it's quite an important thing, isn't it? This, this regeneration, this point where we decide to follow Jesus. And in verse 5 again, he says, I tell you the truth, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and the Spirit. Born again. Then in verse 8, Jesus says, The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound 
but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. Do you know, it's a mystery, isn't it, how an acorn can actually find new growth and, and actually grow into a mighty oak tree. And it's a bit of a mystery how we can be born again of the Spirit of God. But for our part, it takes a willingness to yield our lives to him. Yield our lives to him. Um, and I was just thinking of an, trying to think of an example of this. For the historians amongst us, you may have seen pictures during the Second World War uh, at the Japanese surrender all over the Pacific Islands. The way they surrendered was by yielding their sword. The Japanese generals would yield their sword to the conquering forces. In other words, they were saying, they were making a sign that they were willing to commit themselves to their captors. And so being born again is we need to yield ourselves to God to receive the gift of, of salvation and to allow the Spirit of God to change us into a new creature. And just this morning, I, 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 we were at the service of the um, christening of little Daisy, Mark and Diana's baby. And Steve just talked about this point, point, point in Jesus' life when things were, weren't, a same, weren't, again, weren't the same ever again. Things changed. And that's where we come to when we give our life to Jesus. Things are never the same again. This is maybe, if you like, the first altar in our life, which Abe spoke about altars being part of the act of sanctification, where we're set apart for God. So it's an altar in our life, a time when we actually said to Jesus, yes. But um, going back to the tree, the mighty oak, in all its glory, and when you think about the, hurricane, the storm we're going through at the moment, Fort Storm Freya. I hope Freya's not here this morning. <laughs> but how, do they, how do these mighty trees stand against the wind? Well, they stand because they're deeply rooted. They're deeply rooted in fertile, healthy soil. And if you remember back to the parable of the sower, it's a seed which is well rooted in the ground, in, in healthy soil, which brings forth fruit. In Psalm 80 it says, You have brought a vine out of Egypt. You have cast out the nations and planted it. You prepared room for it and caused it to take root. And it filled the land, being rooted. So being well rooted uh, is important for growth. And we need to be well rooted. And we need to be well rooted in this, the word of God. That's the subject that we're talking about this morning. The word of God. We know just being planted in good earth, the tree does more than just get support from the earth. It actually feeds from the earth. It draws up food. It draws up nutrients out of the ground and water. And I was, I was amazed to hear, um, I've got Andrew here, he's going to tell me, the tree surgeon, so he knows all about this. Up to 100 gallons a day it can draw up. Isn't that staggering, isn't it? It's wonder, the wonder of God's creation, but we need to feed from God's word and we need to be refreshed from it. And the question is, where are we feeding from? Where, where am I being fed from at the moment? Is it from TV programmes which are going to influence me? Is it from the internet, from the video? Is it from books I read? Or is it from the word of God, the living word of God? Feeding is more than reading. It says in Psalms 1, in the second verse there, we need to delight in the word. 
and we need to meditate on it day and night. So, question now, how can we actually meditate on the law of God day and night? And how can we delight in it day and night? By having it in our thoughts. Well, I'm not, I'm not saying for a moment that we've got to be sat there, you know, from our waking moment to our going to sleep with our heads stuck in the Bible. No. Just pick something from the Word of God. Let God speak to you through it. And more of that shortly. And then meditate on it. Be, have it in your thoughts throughout the day. As you go about, as you, we were on the Dartmoor yesterday trying to chase a head of uh, Storm Freya. It didn't catch us, I'm pleased to say. But, do you know, we could just, we could just rejoice in the beauty of, of what God put around us. You know, sometimes we were cursing at the long grass and on the bogs we put our feet in. But have the word of God in your heart. Just have it there, just feeding into you day and night. Day and night. Does anybody wake up during the night? Apart from me, yeah, what many of us do, some for other reasons, but I found a really good way of going back to sleep. It's just focus on God, focus on His Word. I shouldn't say it sends me to sleep straight away, but but what a better what better way than to drift back into sleep in the presence of God? Meditate, delight in it, and note but notice the contrast with Psalm one, verse one, which is not walking in step with the wicked, not standing in the way as the sinners take, not sitting in the company of mockers. Do you know, we need to be intentional about this. I said a minute ago about how do we feed ourselves. Are we getting near to these areas, mockers, the way of sinners, the way of the wicked? We need to, we need to uh, be intentional about how we live every part of our lives. We need to be rejecting the things of Satan which is the world, we call it. And we need to be delighting and we need to be meditating on the things of God. On Thursday, I was uh, walking back from somewhere with, with dear brother Humphrey, and I've, I've got permission to share this. And Hum was just saying how that um, he came to a point in his life where he came to an ultimatum with God. And God said to him, you know, I want all of you or none of you. He said, thank God. That I said to God, take all of me. And he said, from that point, it was a change in his life. A man who'd been brought up in the church, but God met with him and said, no, you know, don't, don't, don't just want part, I want all of you. But do you know, the, the goodness that, we, that the tree draws through the soil is not the end of the story. There's something else which is needed for that food, for that nutrients to actually do good in the tree, and it's sunlight. It's this wonderful process called photosynthesis where we get to, um, carbon dioxide, water and light producing a chemical reaction to produce food and energy for the plant to survive and to grow. This is such a fantastic illustration of how the word of God is not just a good story. It is a good story, but it's not just a good story. And it's not just a load of words. It's a load of words, but it's not just a load of words. Um, but when we let the Holy Spirit speak to us through it, it becomes the living Word of God. In fact, they might be as bold to say that the Word and the Spirit are essentially linked. The Word without the Spirit is just words. The Word with the Spirit is the living Word of God. How many times, uh, I don't know if you've had this experience yourself, 
I, I come across <coughs> passages, and, and I've read it a hundred times, maybe a thousand times, and suddenly something was stand out. I mean, I, I got laughed at at our MC the other day because I went, oh, wow, I've not seen that before. And God, the Holy Spirit would just reveal something new. And it's almost like he's saying, I know you've read that before, Phil, but let me show you something special now. Bang. Spend time in God's word. Let the Holy Spirit speak through to us through, to us through it. You all know the, the armour of God, which Paul talks about in Ephesians 6. Now, part of the armour of God, um, the, the, the word is, of God is described as a weapon in the Spirit's arsenal. Take the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Now, you may remember a couple of weeks ago, Fraser was speaking to us about Peter and John uh, receiving, received the Holy Spirit. And that gave them power to heal that crippled beggar in the name of Jesus. And it was the Holy Spirit of God that allowed them. So the Holy Spirit and the Word of God are so important in, in our lives. So, question is, how well do you know your sword? Who thinks they know it really well? You're all too modest, aren't you? <laughs> when I was in the Royal Marines, after serving, going through the ranks, I became an officer. And part of my duty as an officer was to wear a sword for ceremonial duties only, I might add. <laughs> I never drew it in anger. But uh, we did have to draw it at times for, to say, for saluting people and for ceremonial parades. And so I had to learn how to, how to handle the sword. And it was sitting in a nice in a sheath down the side of my left side. And you had to learn how to sort of pull it out so you didn't cut yourself. It wasn't that sharp, actually. And then bring it round in all in very grand gestures and all the rest of it. And then we'd get our orders. And then we get the command, charge, and off we go and stab all the enemy. No, I didn't do that really. But we had to learn how to use it. And does anybody here remember, maybe from your Sunday school days, doing Bible sword drill? Yeah? yeah? Oh, great. There's a few here, remember? I'm almost tempted to do it, as she's warning. I might do it. I might do it. Um, it's, it's a wonderful thing. I mean, what you do... You take, your, you take your Bible, it can be that, or nowadays it can be that, can't it? Okay? And you, you, you put it in your sheath, under your left arm, a sheath sword, you draw swords, and then you're given a verse, given it twice, and nobody's allowed to move until we say the word charge. Okay? And then you've got to all try and find the verse, and the first one to get it, put your hand up or stand up and read it out. Okay? Should we do it? Yes. That's it. If you can find a Bible nearby, do it. I was going to do it four times, but I don't think I'll run out, I'll run out of time to do that. So, uh, right, you, you can use your phone. Yeah. Use your phone if you like. I bet you, I bet you some would be quicker with the Here we go then. So, sheath swords. Draw swords. Nobody move until I say charge, okay? What should do? Hebrews chapter. F uh, <laughs> <laughs> Fraser. <laughs> Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. Wait. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. Charge. Come on, 
Thank you, Damien. I'll say it again so some people here. For the word of God is living and powerful. Living and powerful. Wow. And sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of the soul and the spirit, and of the joints and the marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and the interests, intents of the heart. Now, I was uh, showing this to Lynn the other day, this verse, and she had a look at her passion translation, like she likes to do, and they pointed out that this verse talks about the soul and the spirit, it's the non-physical parts of us. It's like our soul and our spirit, things we don't really know where they are. The bone and the marrow, we very much know about it. We've been praying about it and we've had wonderful healings this morning. God heals the physical. And, and then there's a discern of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. So the, the word of God is concerned about the whole being, every part of, our, of us, every single part of us. Isn't that wonderful? Do you know the word of God is to be delighted in, but it's also expected to be challenging. It should challenge us, like a sword cuts. Because growth, it brings growth. This, this word of sanctification is growing to be more and more like Jesus, laying down altars as we walk along his way. And growth means changing from what we are now into what God wants us to be. And that can be painful. The ongoing process of being set apart for him. Just a couple of verses about how the Bible explains itself, what it describes itself as. I'll do one more sword drill in a minute. John 1 verse 1, we should be able to quote that. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Isn't that amazing, isn't it? The Word of God. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. We're talking about Jesus. The word of God will always focus on Jesus because he is the word from the beginning with God, the very person of God. If you find that hard to understand, don't worry. Just accept that this is all about Jesus. Look for Jesus in his word. Uh, Polly mentioned last week, I think it was, she said the word of God from Genesis to Revelation will point us to Jesus and his sacrificial love. For, for us, his sacrificial love for us. I bet you all know what John 3.16 is, do you? Yeah. Do you know what 1 John 3.16 is? I'll read it to you. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. Did I just say it? it might be a bit challenging, the word of God. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us and we ought to lay out lives for our brothers and sisters. Wow. What else is this? Here's another 316. It's this time it's 2 Timothy 316s. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. Amazing. There's nothing in here which comes from the heart of man. It's all scripture by the inspiration of God. And it's profitable for doctrine for reproof, for correction, and for instruction in righteousness. And it goes on to say in verse 17, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. The word of God shows us how God wants us to live our life for him. It's a living, a living instruction manual. Just 
feed from it. <coughs> uh, one more. We do one more sword drill, shall we? Because you all did so well. Okay, so sheath swords. Draw swords. Psalm 119. Wait, 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 wait. No, no, cheating, Humphrey. Psalm 119, verse 105. Psalm 119, wait. wait. <laughs> Psalm 119, verse 105. Charge. <laughs> oh, uh, Julie, well done. 105. Thank you, James. Yeah. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. You may remember last year Karen spoke on this on a, on a family service. And do you know, this time of year, uh, myself and some of my sort of mountain, mountain sort of instructor type friends, we go out on Dartmoor and do what we call night navigation once a month. And it's trying to get lost out in Dartmoor. But we, we wear these, these uh, head torches, which are really good. They help us see the map so we can see where we're supposed to be. But they also give a nice pool of light at your feet so you don't stand in any bogs or, or sort of sheep poo or anything like that, or, or down a hole, things like that. So it's a bit like a lamp. The, the word is like a lamp to my feet. The Bible should give us daily instruction for our lives. It should show us where to go, you know, what we're going to do this afternoon. Let's just, just focus on what Jesus, what the Word of God says to us. And then a light to our path. That's a bit harder when you do night navigation because normally everything's really dark and you can't see a thing. But the Word of God will actually show us the way ahead and show us which way to travel. Sometimes God keeps us guessing because it makes us, makes us rely on Him all the more. But the word of God will lead us, trust it to lead us through life. That Jesus is our shepherd. Our shepherd. And a little note on Psalm 119. At one point, I was looking at Psalm 119 as a text for this morning. Uh, and if you look through that chapter, which is the longest chapter in the Bible, 176 verses. So it's quite a challenge. Beautiful bit of poetry. See, there's, there's, I think it's eight verses to each section. And it goes through the whole, is it Greek alphabet? Or Hebrew alphabet or something? <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, 176 verses, but all but about 20 of those verses refer to the Word of God. And it's startling, as I, as I was reading it, I was thinking, this is amazing. It calls it things like the law or the statutes of God or the pre precepts or the commands or the decrees. Uh, and, and when you read through it, it's just full about the Word of God. And, and when I sort of had done this and made a note of all of them, like I do, I'm a bit pedantic like this, uh, I thought, I wonder what, it, what it's actually describing the Word of God to. And I counted over 40 things it describes the Word of God to. to things like a pure way, wonderful things, strength, unfailing love, salvation, trust, comfort, eternal, boundless, the joy of my heart, true, tested, deliverance, sustainer, etc., etc., etc. So, if you're thinking about what shall I do this afternoon, just open Psalm 119 and slowly go through it verse by verse. It's precious. It's precious. Full of the Word of God. The, the psalmist just points us towards the, the, the Word of God. And finally, yeah, I'm getting towards the end now, another four pages to go. 
<laughs> Finally, I want to talk about fruitfulness. Going back to the oak now. Do you know, a fully grown oak can take in and store up to 50 pounds, that's 22 kilograms, of carbon dioxide every year. That's staggering. Isn't that the greenhouse gas, the one we're all scared of? So every tree, a fully grown tree, can, can store that amount of, of CO2 each year. And the same tree releases five times that, 250 pounds or 133 kilograms of oxygen each year, which is enough oxygen to sustain the life of four people. Isn't that an amazing fact, isn't it? So as we grow in stature as a Christian, we, become, we should become fruitful. Do you know, growing in God and in his word will make a difference. Uh, sorry, sorry, will make us people who will make a difference in the world because we have Jesus with us. He will bring light into a dark world. Matthew 5, Jesus said, You are the light of the world. A city that is set on the hill cannot be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and put it in a basket, but on a lampstand. And it gives light to all who are in the house. It reveals, light reveals things, the good and the bad. So we will make a difference in the world. So let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. But the oak can also support other forms of life. Up to 350 different species of insect. Over 30 species of lichen, or as my granddaughter says, lichen, which is quite all right, apparently, if you're English, you can say lichen. Uh, many species of spider, birds, mammals, and in some countries, snakes and reptiles are supported in the root system. And you know, one of the things that we can expect, in fact, that we should expect to happen as we grow in Christ and in His Word is that our compassion for each other will grow. We will love and care for each other as a natural consequence of becoming changed more into the image of Jesus. I mean, we have groups in this, in this uh, group well-established, the Women's Scripture. Um, we have the Encouragers, which Humphrey started. And I'm sure that they, they didn't start those groups to think, well, I'm going to earn a few brownie points with God, you know, by starting a nice little club. You know, see what I did, God, I started that. <laughs> no, they're, they're probably, it was started because they're concerned about their brothers and sisters. They wanted them to grow. They wanted them to be encouraged. They wanted them to learn the scripture. And they didn't probably didn't think, I'll do this because I'm going to show compassion towards. They probably did it as a natural out, outflowing of the love of Jesus in their lives. Sometimes we don't even realise what we're doing when Jesus works in our lives this way. Matthew 25, you see the end of this lovely section. And these people said to Jesus, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you? Or thirsty and give you drink? When did we see you a stranger and take you in? Or naked and clothe you? Or when did we see you sick or in prison and care for you? And the king will answer them and say, Assuredly, I say to you, Inasmuch as you did it to one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. Never look at anybody and think they're not worth it. Everyone is worth it. They're worth all the care. Jesus would look at them with compassion. 
we need to follow his, we, we should, if, we, if we're living in his word, follow his footsteps and treat everybody with compassion. One of the things I think this church really shows, you know, uh, and this is what we love this, this place, is just such a lot of compassion here. And going on to acorns now, that, do you know the oak doesn't produce acorns until about 30, 40 years old? Is that right? Yeah. Seems, yeah, that's kind of good, yeah. So that's pretty good. So on a, on a what they call a mast year, which is a bumper year, which happens about every two to five years, the oak can produce up to 10,000 acorns. It's staggering, isn't it? And you know, acorns are so such a rich food source that most of them are eaten by wild creatures, things like squirrels and all the rest of it. But some do germinate and become trees. Probably just as well, we wouldn't want 10,000 trees a year from <laughs> overtaken. But you know, in, uh, in Matthew 7 it says, every good tree bears good fruit. This is speaking of how we can recognise followers of Jesus. We can look at ourselves. Are we bearing that good fruit? In verse 20 in Matthew 7 it says, by, Therefore by their fruits you will know them. Do the Holy Spirit with the word of God working in us will produce fruit. The fruits of the Spirit we know from Ephesians 5, uh, sorry, Galatians 5, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Put your hand up if you score 9 out of 9. Uh, and as, as um, Bruce Porter, our pastor at, at Dartmouth, always used to say, it's not the fruits of the Spirit, it's the fruit, singular. We, we should be experiencing all of these in our lives. God is so good, isn't he? Every time I see a tree, hopefully it will remind me that to grow in faith, following Jesus, I need to be rooted in his word. Remind me. I need to be feeding from that word. I need to be delighting in that word, taking delight, not being not as a chore. I need to be meditating on that word of God, having his word in my heart day and night. I need to be bearing fruit from the kingdom and letting the Holy Spirit change me. To love him more, to love each other more, never withering, always prospering. And I'd just like to leave you with the words, the closing words of that book, Ecclesiastes, which says, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God, which doesn't mean we should be scared of him, it should means we should reverence him, and keep his commandments, keep his word. For this is man's all. Some translations say the whole duty of man. For God will bring every work into judgment, including every secret thing, whether good or evil. We're transparent before God. Let's follow him. Let's take time in his word. Let's delight and meditate in God's word. Amen. Let's <coughs> pray, shall Lord God, we thank you, Father, for your word. Thank you for the living word, which does so much to us, Lord. It brings fruit in our lives, Lord. It points us towards you, Lord Jesus, that, that our saviour, the one whom... One day every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that you are Lord. Lord, teach us in your word. Just give us a hunger for it. Give us a thirst for it. Help us to draw from it daily.
in your precious name. Amen. Amen.